0: What's up, PTB Nation? Welcome to another episode of the Park and the Bus podcast here on the PTB Media Network. I am your host, as always, the Mr. Mike you And today in episode 28, we are talking about the round of 16. First legs of the UEFA Champions League. That is of course 2020-2021. As we are at the round of 16, we're in the, the halftime, if you will, of all of these matchups. Uh, one leg down, one to go in about a week's time. And there are some results that may surprise you, some that may not. But I'm sure by now you hear that music and that can only mean one thing. That's right. It is time to talk some football. It is time to talk the greatest competition on the face of God's green earth. We're talking UEFA Champions League today. And I can't wait to dive into it. And I want to thank everybody who's sticking with this project here. I know it's been a little bit of an intermittent um, release of episodes, but thank you to everyone who checked out episode 27 came out yesterday it was the the review of the final day of the Brazilian league the Brasileirão we're going a little bit out of order I know I had said we were going to go through the different leagues each day but um I had to had to mix up the order a little bit cuz the football calendar right now is anything but consistent and there are matches going on all the time and there are there are competitions finishing others starting so this is this is where we are right now we're doing the UEFA Champions League today a little bit later on uh, actually, probably tomorrow, uh, you will get another podcast covering the round of 32 in the UEFA Europa League. And then my hope is by the end of the weekend to get some more of the regular domestic league information out there to you. Uh, we got to talk English football. We haven't talked English football in a long time. And let's just say that things have changed quite a bit in the English Premier League. Uh, we also got to check in with the championship in the WSL as, as well. As, and we got a race brewing now in, in Spain all of a sudden I said I was I was worried about Atleti and uh, well they dropped a few points and it's closer than it needs to be right now in La Liga while Bayern just cruise in the Bundesliga and right now right now um, in Serie A Juventus is, is a little bit of start and go While Inter is very consistent. Milan trying to maintain their level. So you got a a race kind of whipping up in Italy as well. Not to mention what's going on in France. we got teams vying for the Ligue 1 title. All that is going to come to you in the next couple days here on the Park and the Bus podcast. But today, today it is 100% all about the UEFA Champions League. You can follow this show on Twitter by following at PTV underscore media and on Facebook, on Instagram at the same handle at ptb underscore media. Also, I announced in the last episode I'm working on a website now. To mirror the Mister Benfica website, um, those of you that follow my Mister Benfica show, you're familiar with www.mrbenfica.com I'm working on something right now for the Parking the Bus podcast, which will obviously uh, cover a lot more information instead of covering one team. It's going to cover I, what do we got about twelve to 10, le- ten to twelve leagues right now that I've been working on. Um, so. Not everything can always fit in podcasts, so there will be information getting posted on a website to come in, um, I would say, in the weeks ahead, and like I've said, I'm working on a project to really bring you the best possible podcasting coverage of UEFA Euro 2020 when it kicks off this summer. We're now 98 days away from Euro 2020. And um, it's going to happen one way or another. Uh, It may not happen the way it's designed. It may not happen uh, in the locations and to the calendar that is in place. But UEFA have said that by hook or by crook, one way or another Euro 2020 will happen even if they have to put everybody in one city (laughs) <laughs> in Europe and and play the entire tournament in a couple of stadiums in the same city or in close proximity to each other and do the bubble that they did for last year's Champions League and last year's Europa League, um, I guess you could call them Elite Eights, and we'll see how that goes, but again, like I said, this episode right now, this is all about the UEFA Champions League, so I'm going to take a little break here, and on the other side, we'll get right in to Champions League Round of 16 here on the Park and the Bus Podcast. UEFA Euro 2020 this summer here on the Park in the Bus podcast. And welcome back to Park in the Bus episode 28 here on the PTB Media Network. Let's go back in time just a little bit now. We're going to go to Tuesday, February the 16th, and we're going to start our Champions League review. And probably the biggest one of them all, it was the somewhat of the biggest shock result. Although after last season, it's not the first time we've seen this team blown out. I guess it's not quite as bad, but this time it was on their home pitch. That's right, we're going to the Camp Nou. We're going to Barcelona, and we have and we have a Barcelona versus Paris Saint-Germain. Of course, like we said, at the Camp Nou, and the referee is the Dutchman Bjorn Kuypers. So let's take a look at the lineups to start it out. All right, we're going to start with the visiting side from France, the side that should be leading the French League but is not. Um, a little bit of a, of a rocky situation right now for Paris Saint-Germain. Of course, they've got a new manager since we last talked Champions League uh, in the group stage. Thomas Tuchel is gone, as you know. He's now the manager at Chelsea. And Mauricio Pochettino, the Argentine, returns to a club he represented in his playing days. Paris saint Saint-Germain, his goalkeeper, is the Costa Rica international legend. Maybe the best ever to come from that country. It's Kaylor Navas. They're playing 4-2-3-1. Across the back, Alessandro Fiorenzi is the right back. Marquinhos and Presnel Kimpembe are the center back. Pairing, I really like Presnel Kimpembe, every time I see this guy play, I really, really like the way he, he defends, the way he plays that central defensive role, and the way he commands that back line, and the way that he he organizes the team in front of him. Very, very good central defender, and I don't think he gets enough uh, enough recognition, to be honest with everybody. The left back is Lavin Kurzawa. All right, double pivot in midfield. It's Idrissa Galle partnering with Leandro Paredes in front of them, three attacking midfielders. Marco Verratti, the Italy international, anchors that attacking midfield with Moise Khan to his right and Kylian Mbappé to his left. What a formidable attacking midfield. And, of course, they're playing behind the Argentinian Mauro Icardi. And on the other side of the pitch, playing for Ronald Koeman, it is Barcelona in the same formation they have played for the last 20 years almost. It is a 4-4-3. And there is no surprises really in this team. You got Marc, uh, Marc-Andre Ter Stegen, the German international, is the goalkeeper. U.S. international Sergio Dest gets the start at right back. And... It's worth mentioning that this this round of sixteen ha- was the first time that you had this many Americans competing in the round of sixteen of the Champions League. Serginho Dest, obviously, uh, representing his club, Football Club Barcelona. The center back pairing is Gerard Pique and Clement Lenglet, and Jordi Alba is the left back in midfield three with an anchor. F- of Sergio Busquets, Pedri is to his left, and Frankie de Jong to his right, and the trio attack has the all world, all universe great, great player. Obviously, one of the all time greats, uh, Lionel Messi, captaining the team as the center forward with Antoine Griezmann to one side and o- o- Osman Dambéle to the other side. Osman Dambéle, excuse me. And um, that is Barcelona's starting lineup. So, you expect this game to be somewhat even. I know Barcelona has struggled, but uh, you never expect what was about to happen to happen in this one. Um, Like I said, I know last year they were absolutely thumped by Bayern Munich in Lisbon. And they were humiliated out of the Champions League, if I'm not mistaken. It was the quarterfinal stage. uh, One stage earlier this year where... Um, They're taking on Paris Saint-Germain, a team that wants to take their place as a world elite, as a top world club. They were in the final last year, uh, PSG was. okay; They were very close to lifting the trophy. uh, Outclassed in the final, I think, in my opinion, by Bayern Munich. But they got a good performance to get there, and they had a, a healthy Neymar to get there. Neymar's missing from this lineup. You obviously noticed that. And we we start off at the beginning of the match, of course. And if you watch this on CBS All Access, uh, as I did, you got a lot of pro Barcelona coverage. But there was also a lot of question marks about this Barcelona team. Barcelona, if you don't know, they're having their club's presidential election this coming Sunday, March the 8th. March the 7th, excuse me, is their... Their presidential election and Juan Laporta who was a former president had went on the record this week speaking to one of the media outlets stating that if he isn't elected that Lionel Messi is going to leave. Now I've spoken before about what I think uh, Barcelona need to do about Lionel Messi. It's not a popular opinion but it, it, it's my opinion and I think it's the right opinion. It's time to cut, to cut ties with Lionel Messi it is time to stop focusing on one player. And, and it is time to stop making this club about one player. Okay, everything else is falling apart around him. And I think it's time for him to move on and to take on a new challenge in a new league and, and put away the arguments from people like myself who says he can only do it at Barcelona. And while I think he can do it elsewhere, he's yet to do it. So I'm going to continue to point out that he's only done it in this system, in this club. Okay, his his performances with Argentina leave some to be desired. Okay, his his record at major tournaments, he's gotten to if I'm if my memory corrects me, my math is correct. Three finals with Argentina lost them all. Don't give me the Olympics. I don't want to hear he won the Olympics. That is not a major football tournament. That is a youth tournament. I don't want to hear about the Olympics. That's that's even below the U-20 World Cup, okay? Teams don't even send their top players to the Olympics. The Olympics is is something that some countries take very seriously, but in football, it is way down in the pecking order. Now, I like I said, I think Lionel Messi needs to move on. I think... I think he needs to go to the Premier League, join Manchester City, and win them a Champions League. And then I'll shut up about how he only can do it at Barcelona. Okay, but anyways, those in charge in Barcelona diehards obviously don't want to see their legend leave. But I don't think this team can be rebuilt and I don't think they can move forward while Lionel Messi is in the team. It sounds ridiculous. I understand what it sounds like. (laughs) but i really truly believe that it is the truth and if you want to be dominant over the next 10 years it's time to cut that time to cut that cord if you will time to let him go off and finish his career somewhere okay and it's time to rebuild a team for the next decade at barcelona now PSG are arguably the stronger force these days, Okay, having narrowly lost the final, as I said, in this competition last season in Lisbon uh, to, to Bayern Munich, while Barca are looking to make it to the Champions League quarterfinals for the 14th consecutive season. Ronald Koeman's team will have to be their best to overcome Mauricio Pochettino's side. And I think if you're listening to this podcast, you probably saw the match and you know where we're going with this. And it, doesn't, it starts somewhat early, but uh, it's a chance in the 18th for PSG. It's Mbappé with a huge amount of space to pick out the pass for Icardi. Icardi one-on-one with Ter Stegen, but can only trickle a feeble shot towards goal. Barca managed to block and scramble it out for an inconsequential PSG corner. Icardi should have done better, but... Um, but the, the message has been sent, and I think Barcelona knew they were in for a long day at this point. 20th minute, and Gallet will see a yellow card uh, for bringing down Pedri about 40 yards uh, from goal. Move forward a little bit, and we get we get a surprise, though. I I've kind of hinted where this one was going, but if you didn't see it and you don't know, you might have been fooled here at this point, as a penalty is called to Barcelona. Surprise, surprise. All right, Messi goes deep, searching for De Jong with an over-the-top ball. De Jong goes down in the box with Kurzawa, making accidental contact. But the referee, Bjorn Kuypers, has no hesitation, and he points to the spot, up steps Lionel Messi, the great. And he smashes the penalty kick past Kaylor Navas into the top corner. And there's no goalkeeper on planet Earth that is going to save that. 1-0 to the Blaugrana in the 27th minute. But it did not last long. As if Messi is the future, some say he's the past, but I'll, I'll call him the future right now. He's one of two in the world that I still call the, the the present. I think I called him the I think I just misspoke a moment ago. If Messi is the present, <laughs> Kylian Mbappe is the future. And in the 32nd minute, it is the future. It is the Frenchman. It is the world champion. Kylian Mbappé equalizing swiftly, grabbing PSG, a valuable away goal. Dembele goes to sleep and Kurzawa darts in behind to cross it. First time, Verratti flicks it to Mbappé, who shows quick feet to lash it. Pastor Stegen at the near post. Very, very nice assist for the Italian Marco Verratti. We move forward and that will take us to halftime and the teams are deadlocked 1-1 at the break. PSG have now scored in their 20th consecutive Champions League away game. Only Real Madrid have a longer streak of 22 matches between 2010 and 2014 of scoring each uh, 22 consecutive matches. PSG are true heavyweights these days, and now they're going toe-to-toe with Barcelona, although guys, yellow card will cause them to some concern. But Mauricio Ponchettino is on that, and he makes a substitution at halftime, a wise one, as Gaia is off, and the former Manchester United midfielder and former Athletic Bilbao midfielder Ander Herrera is on in his place. And we move forward as the game starts to go into a very one-sided direction. It starts to belong to PSG. And minute 65, it is Paris saint once again. Florenzi races in behind Barcelona's high defensive line. Launches on to Paredes' pass. The fullback rolls the ball across the goal in a tight angle. It's blocked, but rolls right to, you guessed it, the future Kylian Mbappé, and he blasts it home. It's 2-1 to the visitors. It's 2-1 to the French champions. And it is now two away goals for PSG. Mbappé is the first player in Champions League history to score a brace away from home against Barcelona in the knockout phase. PSG are are in fantastic position now. And... Having come from behind to lead, the visitors have thrown away, uh, f- have thrown away their one-goal lead, and now they will have to fight their way back. But it doesn't take long for another setback. It's a few minutes later, the 70th minute now, and it is it is Moisachin, the Italian, with a brilliant goal here as Kempembe wins a foul down the left after being clipped by Pedri. Paredes floats it in and Keane knocks it down and into the far post. And Barcelona crumble before the world's eyes. It's 3-1 to Paris Saint-Germain. Paredes' free kick for that goal was lovely. All Khan had to do was run in a straight line. And at the finish, the end was easy. No one in Barca colors picking him up. Paris Saint-Chamond playing in their their visiting or in their alternate white kits with the with the Jordan logo. Or actually, sorry, with the old school Nike logo on it. Um, and playing in red socks. In the 71st minute, Ronald Coleman goes to the bench, Barça make an instant substitution. Minguenza replaces Serginho Dest who's had a torrid time against Mbappe, but who wouldn't have a torrid time on a night like this against a player the caliber of Kylian Mbappe. And the American will take a seat, but (laughs) it doesn't end there, although Mauricio Pochettino will make a substitution of his own in the 73rd two minutes later. Verratti's day is done. Good job by the Italian, but he's replaced by the German international Julian Draxler. And Draxler is coming on to pro- not just to protect the the lead, but also to protect uh, Verratti's, Verratti's recently recovered hip injury. So seventy three minutes is all he gets on this one. A job well done by the Italian. Seventy eighth minute, double sub substi- sorry triple substitution for, for Ronald Koeman. Marilyn uh, Pienich comes in, replaces Sergi Busquets while. Trincone replaces Pedri and Richard. Ricard Puig replaces Gerard Piquet. And Piquet is the last Barcelona player to make way as Barça's 21-year-old youth product Puig comes on for him. And Barcelona, desperate to get back in this one to 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 reduce that that uh, deficit right now but they've c- now conceded three or more goals in back-to-back Champions League home games for the first time. That's right. This Barca side are a shadow of the team that last lifted the trophy in 2015. As another substitution is made by by Ronald Koeman, it's Martin Brathwaite uh, replacing Antoine Griezmann. And at the same time, uh ponchettino will send on a holding midfielder he's sending on portugal international danilo Pereira, to replace the young italian Mois Sakin. and that's in the 85th and and still in the 85th less than a minute later it is you guessed it Kylian mbappé one more time barcelona one paris saint-germain four mbappé gets his hat trick with a ruthless finish Barca give the ball away on the edge of the penalty area and the Parisians punish them. It's three versus two at the back and Draxler draws in Barca defenders before laying it off to the French international Mbappé who makes no mistake and who could expect him to. He was just on fire on this night and he wants everyone to know that he is the next global superstar in this game and that he is a future golden boot goat nominee maybe maybe we'll have that discussion in a decades time about killian Mbappe and we can argue comparing him to Messi and Ronaldo 10 years from now we'll see Mbappe got his his career off to such a great start uh, sky is the limit for the french international Draxler's timing on the pass for Mbappe was perfect he had some superb awareness and Paris Saint-Germain very much deserving of this lead Barca look disheartened at this point, and who can blame them? They've been outclassed by a PSG side in every single department. A comeback in the style of four years ago, remember that? Looks quite unlikely. Braithwaite uh, heads comfortably wide from Dembele's cross in the 87th. It's another substitution for PSG in the 89th. On comes Thilo Kerher. Off comes Alessandro Florenzi. And that takes us to the full-time whistle as PSG will head back to France for the second leg with a commanding 4-1 lead. Four away goals. That means Barcelona have to score four at the Parc de Princes. Uh, very, very unlikely. And that is uh, that is all there is to say about that match. We'll see how this election comes out on Sunday. Four. Barcelona, and we wonder what that's going to mean for Ronald Koeman, for Lionel Messi, for Gerard Piquet, for Antoine Griezmann, and a lot of these these high salaries in this club. Uh, there's financial trouble at the Camp Nou, so we'll have to wait and see what the future holds for the, the Catalan side as we move forward. The other match on the night it was RB Leipzig playing in a borrowed home. That's right, they moved their home stadium due to COVID restrictions to. Um, they played in the Pushkas Arena in Budapest, Hungary. The referee is Slako Venicic, the Slovenian. And it is Leipzig ho- hosting, in quotations, Liverpool. And let's quickly go through those lineups. The visitors from the, the Premier League champions, Liverpool with Allison Becker in goal. Four 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 three three is their preferred formation. Trent Alexander Arnold is the right back. Ozan Kabak and Jordan Henderson, the center backs. Andrew Robertson, the left back in midfield. Georgi- Jorginho Winaldum is the is the anchor in the center of midfield with Thiago Alcantara to his left. And Curtis Jones t- sorry. Thiago is to his right. Curtis Jones to his left. Up front, Bobby Firmino partners with Mohamed Salah and Sadio Mane. And what's there to talk about? There are two goals here, and they both belong to the Merseyside, to the Reds from the Merseyside. They belong to Liverpool. It is Mohamed Salah and Sadio Mane. And Liverpool get two away goals, win on the road, and now they get to play the second leg at home if I'm not mistaken, I don't think there's another neutral site for this one. And this is going to come up over the course of these next two episodes, um, both in the Champions League and in the Europa League. Several teams had to seek out neutral sites in, in other countries for their home leg due to COVID restrictions and due to quarantining laws and travel bans. So a lot of teams. Well, I shouldn't say a lot of teams, but a number of teams lost their home their home field advantage or lost their home leg and had to play at a neutral site. And in other ties, you had two neutral site games, yet you still had away goals being a factor. Um, we'll move from that match as Liverpool will head home with the 2-0 lead. We move to Wednesday, February the 17th. We have a nice match at the, at the Sanchez-Pichuan in in uh, Sevilla, and it is the Spanish side, the Europa League holders. Sevilla taking on Borussia Dortmund, and Dortmund come into Spain, and Dortmund will take a 3-2 victory on the road and take three away goals back to Germany with them. Let's look at the lineups quickly here for the, in this one. Uh, 4-2-3-1, the choice for Edin Terzic. Uh, he knows he's on his way out. He knows Marcos Rose is taking his place next season. The current uh, Borussia Munchen Gladbach manager will take over at Dortmund at the end of the season. But it's Marwin hits in goal for Dortmund. And then Matil Mori, Manuel Akanji, Mats Hummels, and Rafael Gredo make up the back four. The three in midfield include Jude Bellingham, Emre Chan, and Mahmoud Dahoud. Uh, two attacking midfields in front of them. It's Jaden Santo and it is Marco Royce, and they're playing behind Erling Holland. Erling Holland, excuse me. And for Sevilla, they go with Yassini Bono in goal. Uh, Jesus Navas is in the ba- in their four-three-three. 3 three-three. The right back is Jesus Navas. He's the captain. Jules Coundi and Diogo, Diego Carlos are the center backs with Sergio Escudero as the left back. Center midfielder is the former Manchester City man Ferdinando. To his right Juan Jordan and to his left Ivan Rakitic, the former Barcelona player. In attack, Yusef Innesri is partnered by Alejandro Gomez to one side and Suso to the other we said it is two to three in this one Sevilla lose at home in a surprising uh, result to, for for many for me is as, as well as Sevilla have been very very good this season and Dortmund have not but on this night it was the German side with two goals from Holland and one from Dahoud enough to beat the Spanish side they're going to go back to Germany with three away goals and that means that Sevilla will have to win by two goals or score more than three in the second leg. And that brings us to the final game of the first two days. And I don't really want to talk about this one, as you know where my loyalties are run. But it is FC Porto hosting Juventus. It's at the Stadio do Dragão, or as I call it, the Stadio do Ladrão, which means the Stadium of the Thief. That is what I call it. And as far as I'm concerned, Porto cannot lose by enough goals, but they come away the winners in this one. Let's take a look at the lineups. And Porto start with actually we'll start with the visitors. It is Skezny in goal for Andre Pirlo's side, playing what's quickly becoming my least favorite formation. I'm I'm growing to hate this formation. This classic 442 with Little imagination, little movement other than straight north-south movements. And across the back, Danilo's the right back playing against his former club. And Matthias De Ligt partners with Giorgio Chiellini, the captain, in the center of defense. And another former Porto back is on the left side. It's Alex Sandro. Four in midfield is the two in the center is Rodrigo Betancourt and the French international Adrian Rabiot. To his left is the American Weston McKinney, another American getting a start. And to the right, Federico Chiesa. In attack, it is Dejan Kuzilevski and Cristiano Ronaldo. Porto start with... Argentine goalkeeper Agustín Marquesín, the former Club América goalkeeper. They are also playing the same four-four-two. And the commentator in English, I believe, it was from the World Feed, but he said he can't remember the last time he saw two teams at this level take the pitch and play against each other in uh, matching four-four-two formations. It just seems outdated to me. It seems antiquated. It seems old, and um, it is. It is, it's just I'm, I don't like seeing the game played this way anymore. Um, I think it's very easy to play against, and I think it lacks imagination. So across the back for Porto, Wilson Manafa is the right back. Uh, Mabemba and Pepe are the center backs with Pep wearing the captain's armband, and Z- Zaidu Sanusi is the left back. In midfield, the center pairing is the Colombian Mateus Uribe and Portugal international Sergio Oliveira to the left is the Brazilian Otavio and to the right Mexico's international Tecatito Corona up front it's Musa Marega and the Persian pool diver maybe Teremi. Yes, he is the pool diver because he's about to set a world record for the number of penalty kicks drawn in one season by one player and I'm telling you this guy trips over the pen, over the 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 box Basically, once he steps in the penalty area, he trips on grass and he goes down and referees give the penalty. There would not be a penalty in this one, however. As Sergio Conceição, the manager, as he, he clearly outclassed and outmanaged Andrea Pirlo. Andrea Pirlo looks just absolutely lost. He looks completely unqualified to hold the position he currently holds at a club like Juventus. And it, it, it's, it's a little bit upsetting to me. And um, he really... Did not do a good job managing this match. He's playing with all central players in that midfield. He's essentially playing with four central dif- midfielders. Chiesa's more of a wide player than the other three, but still not a true out-and-out winger. Chiesa more of an attacker. But this is... I know they're, they're dealing with injuries and they're dealing with, with other issues, but this is really a poor side. And the problem is the investment from, from Juventus in, in the past year since they signed cristiano ronaldo they have divested if that's a word in english but they have cut their investment solo and they have just stopped putting money into this team they put it all into cristiano ronaldo he's got little supporting cast right now and they have big holes that need to be filled and they're not filling them they're going out for free transfers instead they're bringing in the aaron ramses and the emre chans and the excuse me not emre chan he's gone he's at he's at dortman now but they're bringing in like i said the the ramses and it's just not good enough okay they're getting morata it's not a free up for morata but it's a loan and morata is good but morata left off of the starting 11 in this one he would come in later um you know leonardo banucci not able to play at this point uh he would paulo dibala is injured uh, Federico Bernadetsky uh not not playing to the level he should be. And really Juventus struggling. And then in the first minute they give one away. Marega scores on an absolute just an absolute shocker of a goal. It was somewhat humiliating to watch. I mean, it just it took all the life out of the game for me. Um as Betancourt plays the ball back to his goalkeeper, Skezny. And it was completely read by Marega. And Marega is there to block Skezny's attempt to to clear it. And it goes right into the goal. And Porto are ahead early. Porto would get another one in the second half. It would be in the 46th minute. And I'm sorry, the first goal was not scored by Marega. It was by Taremi, the the Iranian international. He's the one that that read the pass, ran it down, and met met skezny at the ball and blocked his attempted clearance into the goal morego would score in the 46 so they score in the first minute of the game and in the first minute of the second half that is means that the manager does not have his team ready to play andrea Pirlo again in over his head at this job i'm i'm, I'm gonna be opinionated about this one i think he was a phenomenal player great player but you know what he skipped steps and it shows he lacks experience and he's not the same manager as He's not the same level of manager that he was as a player. They would get one back in the 82nd minute from Chiesa, but it was just it was an ugly ugly uh, performance from Juventus in their tiger orange kits. But the second that one goal from Chiesa 8 minutes from full time gives them a chance going into the second leg at home. A one nothing win is enough to move them on, but I don't expect them to keep a clean sheet against Porto this Porto team when they play and they decide they want to play they have another level they can go to they have this 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 fire in them that can make them play 10 times higher than where they should be playing in terms of level they raise it you've got some players that have no business being being Champions League knockout stage starters like Otavio okay, and like Manafa, but you know what? Manafa puts in a man-of-the-match performance because this team has this ability to just take their game to another level, to play above themselves when the stakes are high and when the opponent is high. They raise their game. I hate FC Porto more than anything, but I respect the way that they take on these giants of European football with no fear, and they take them on with... The heart of lions. I know they're dragons. That's their mascot. But they take them on with the heart of lions. And uh, many times they pull great results because of that belief in themselves. They have this belief that they can do anything and beat anyone with basically any players that they want on the pitch. They take a 2-1 lead. They're going to be disappointed to have given up the away goal. Now they got to get one in in Turin, I believe. I don't think the game will be nil-nil. I don't think they're going to come out and try to play for nil-nil. Interesting footnote is manager uh, Sergio Conceição's son, Chico Conceição, came into the match in stoppage time. Um, he, he is, is playing well as of late. Um, he has started to make some appearances, only 18 years old, starting to make appearances here in the first team. And it'll be interesting to see what the second leg looks like in this tie. And that ladies and gentlemen was the first week of matches. We're going to take a little break here. And when we come back, we're going to look at the more recent matches of the round of 16 in the champions league. This is Parking the Bus, episode 28. I am the Mr. Mike Agostino. You can follow us on Twitter, like I said, at PTB underscore media and on Instagram at PTB underscore media. We'll be right back. Parking the Bus podcast and the PTB Media Network congratulate Bayern Munich on winning the 2020 FIFA Club World Cup Bayern Munich champions again. And welcome back to Parking the Bus episode 28 and we'll now continue our review of the round of 16. First leg action in the UEFA Champions League, and we move now to Tuesday, February the twenty-third. We got two matches on uh, that day, and we're gonna start in Madrid. Or actually, I believe this was at a. It was not at Madrid. Okay, it is Atleti, but they were in another. They were another team who had to arrange for a to arrange for a borrowed home, as they had to play there home leg outside of Spain due to travel restrictions and due to mandatory quarantine measures put in place by particularly in this case the British government the UK government as they are facing Chelsea it's Atletico Madrid versus Chelsea we're at the national arena in Bucharest Romania of all places why are we in Bucharest Romania you want to know well the club you know Atleti's board thought that Genoa, Italy, was a much better home, and that makes all the sense in the world because it's a lot closer. But no, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. Manager Diego Simeone wanted to play in Bucharest because he won a Europa League final there once upon a time, and because Atleti were so happy there the last time. Well, that was the first of many mistakes in this one. Let's go to it. Like we said, the referee for this match is from Germany. It is Felix Birch. And without further ado, I know we spent a lot of time in that first segment. Even though we really rushed through the matches, we spent quite a bit of time. There's a lot of matches to talk about, so we can't go into the same detail as a, as we would like. But we'll start off with the 11-4 Chelsea, we mentioned Thomas Tuchel before as he was recently sacked by PSG, uh, picked up by Chelsea to replace uh, to replace Frank Lampard, which had to have been a hard decision for the Chelsea board to sack one of their playing legends, Frank Lampard, and um, remove him as manager and bring in the German Thomas Tuchel. And Chelsea play with a 3-4 to 1A formation as I continue to say, I really am starting to like these three-man backlines lines uh, with, with wingbacks when necessary and their midfielders when when possible. So in goal, they have Eduard Mendy, the three in the back. The captain is Cesar Azil uh Andreas Christensen, and Antonio Rudiger are the other two in the three-man back line. Callum Hudson-Odoi is the right wingback, while Marcos Alonso on the left, double pivot in midfield. Jorginho, the Italian at- international, along with Mateo Kovacic. In front of them is Mason Mount and Timo Werner, and they're playing in support of the striker Olivier Giroud. For Atleti on the other side of the pitch, a club that I admit I have some fondness for, Atletico Madrid, that is, even though I, as you can tell, have some frustration with the manager, Diego Simeone. Um, they're playing... Four, four, two. Enough said. Jan Oblak is the goalkeeper for me. It's still, the best goalkeeper in the world. If he's not number one, he is one A 1A or one double A. I mean, he is up there. And I-, I will take a minute to say that Jan Oblak is in very elite company, along with, along with, Allison Becker, Ederson. And Thibaut Courtois, for me, those are the four top goalkeepers in the world. There's some others that are very close, but for me, those four set themselves apart from everybody else. But also for me, Jan Oblak is the best. That's just my opinion. All right, and it's 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 maybe it's a little bit of a subjective opinion, but I'm not going to lie. Two out of the four of those came from a certain club that I'm really fond of. But no, uh, I really think Jan Oblak. All things considered is the best goalkeeper in the world. The right back is Marcos Jorente. Stefan Savic and Philippe are the central defenders with Mario Hermoso down the left. The four in midfield are anchored by the by the center midfield pairing of the captain Coke and Saúl Enigues, while Thomas Lamar plays down the left and Angel Correa down the right and the strike pair is Luis Suarez and Joao Felix. Um, tough tough match for uh, a lot of these guys and I did I just did not like Athleti in this match and I like Athleti. That's a problem. And I think the approach was all wrong from the beginning. I get it. I do get it to an extent. They're playing a home match away. Okay, This is something, like I said, this isn't completely uncommon right now. Uh, This has had to happen. This will probably happen for for some teams throughout the the length of the remainder of this tournament. Um, Depending where they're located, they may have to play all their home legs in neutral grounds. But I really think, and we go back to, Simeone just can't get away from what he used to be from what his team used to be. He is who he is. I'm not, I shouldn't say what he used to be. He is who he is. But as a manager, as a top-level manager, you have to be able to break away from your quote-unquote system or your quote-unquote methodology when the players and the pieces that are in front of you do not fit that puzzle. He does not have the team he had in 2014 2012, excuse me, or 2013, when they went to the final of this competition and nearly beat Real Madrid, when they won the La Liga title, when they had 20 or more hard-nosed, hard-working, blue-collar players, okay? And an Antoine Griezmann up front. That's not the makeup of this team anymore. This team has ball-playing Skilled players: Angel Correa, uh, Thomas Lamar. Like we said, Saul Encocé, Juan Felix, Luis Suarez, Yanni Carrasco. When he is on the pitch, the list goes on on this team. There's so much talent on this team. I'll go down the substitutes as well. You know, you got Vitolo. You've got, you know, Miguel. You sorry, you got Richard Sanchez. You've got Alvaro Garcia. Yeah, you have quite the long injury list and perhaps this is why he he reverted because here is the list of injured players or suspended players for Atletico Madrid at this point. The Mexican Hector Herrera is injured until some any day now. Jose Jimenez is feeling physical discomfort according to the injury report and out a few weeks. Sime uh Kio is also feeling physical discomfort, whatever that means. Yanni Carrasco, a player I am like a lot, a player who has really won me over this season. He's out with a muscle injury. And, of course, Kieran Trippier, the, the English wingback, is suspended for being involved, I believe, in some sort of betting scandal. Let me pull Kieran Trippier up and see if there's any news here. Yeah, he... He is serving a 10-week ban as his appeal was dismissed. And as I read on, he is unavailable until, it says here, February the 28th. So he should be back now. Um, that would make him eligible for this upcoming weekend, if that is correct. And um, his, like we said, his appeal was dismissed. He was issued a suspension and fined 70,000 euros. And Sorry, not euros, pounds. He was fined 70,000 English pounds or British pounds back on December the 23rd after England's Football Association found him guilty of breaking rules related to betting. Trippier was charged with seven alleged breaches of that rule, four of which were proven. Uh, the regulation states where a participant provides to any person any information relating to to football which the participant has obtained by virtue of his or her position within the game and which is not publicly available at the time the participant shall be in breach of this rule where any of that information is used by that other person for or in relation to betting trippier denies the charges and his ban was put on hold while fifa's appeal committee considered the case however it was dismissed and fifa Um, is going to force him to sit out this entire suspension. So he should be back this coming week, but on February the 23rd, he is not available on that day. And again, I don't know how many times, again, watching the Champions League on the best, I have to say, on the best soccer network or football network in the United States, CBS All Access now, officially known as Paramount+. Plus. Okay, and they break down the film and you see Mika Richards and you see Jamie Carragher looking at this, and you freeze frame it, and how many times Atletico Madrid have a line of six defending? I get the idea. I was starting to get on this point a moment ago. The idea is that Atletico Madrid want to come away without surrendering the away goal that was the idea I believe that Simeone had in his mind he wanted to get out of these 90 minutes without surrendering the away goal and go for the win in the second leg that makes sense the second leg I believe is not in in, at Stamford Bridge either I believe it is at a neutral ground because the Spanish government does not allow travel to to England either if I'm not mistaken or just to the United Kingdom I to be exact if I'm not mistaken, I believe that is the ruling right now. Not without a, a lengthy um, a lengthy quarantine period. So, I think that's what, what Simeone was going for in this one. However, I think he got it all wrong. I think he had to play with the team he has the way they are designed to play. You have players like Suarez and Juan Felix who are being held back. How many? How much time Felix spent half of this game playing as a as a wing back. I mean, he was so far back lining up next to his defenders and his his deep lying midfielders, cutting off passing lanes when he cost 128 million euros. He was brought in to put the ball in the net or to set up. What well, he does better than than anything else that he does, he sets up his strike partner for goals. That one brilliant season he had at Benfica, okay? I know the level is different. It is the Portuguese league. It was not La Liga, and it was not the Champions League. And I understand, and I don't expect the numbers to be the same, but what he did better than anybody in that league, and better than anybody has done since in that league, was a set up his strike partner in that at that time. That was Harris Safarovic, Okay, he won Harris Safarovic a golden boot 20 some, I think 25 goals, 20 of them tap-ins that Joan Felix set him up for while scoring 20 of his own, okay? This guy is an offensive juggernaut, and he he makes such a difference when he's on his game. He is the most dangerous player in the Atleti 11, okay? Now, you give him a striker like Luis Suarez, okay, who can finish with deadly efficiency, and you're going to Drop him all the way back there to cut off passing lanes to hold for a nil-nil. Come on, Simeone! Come on! Now this this was this was a match that that really angered me. Watching, I really wanted a good result for Atletico Madrid in this one, but Chelsea just were. Let's look at the stats here. It's Chelsea took a sixty-four percent possession um, advantage, and you know how I feel about possession, but here is the thing: they possessed. Wherever they wanted to, because Atleti retreated so far back. Okay, total shots on goal in this one, uh, Chelsea had eleven total shots with seven chances created. Atleti, on the other hand, only six total shots from there. From there, thirty-six percent of uh, pr- possession, and only three of those were considered goal-scoring chances. If you look at the xG in this, the expected goals. Uh, Atletico's XG was way below 1 in this one. Um, Another statistic I like to look at which tells me which team wants to win a lot of times and which team is playing not to lose is the fouls. And you wouldn't think that with what I'm about to say. But with Chelsea committing 21 fouls to Atleti's 9, that tells me Atleti is playing such a strict zone and they are lining up in positions and they are like I said cutting off lanes and not committing not trying to get at the ball they're not they're not fighting let they're not going in for duels okay and we see here as I'm pulling up more statistics here the the passes the accurate passes okay it's 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 literally double where Chelsea <laughs> Chelsea connects 586 accurate passes in this match to athletes 298. That by itself doesn't mean anything. But when you look a little deeper, the amount of passes completed in their own half, okay? 196 for Chelsea out of 586. That means 390 passes connected in Athletes half, okay? That, at an 87% success rate, mind you, that is telling me Again, that Chelsea went after this result. Chelsea looked for the goal. I have nothing against playing defensive football. I I hate, I loathe when commentators and pundits call it negative football. It's not negative. It's a very valid way to play if that is what your team is built to do. Atletico Madrid, not built like that anymore. Atletico Madrid had 56 attempted long balls to what amounted to being Suarez playing mostly by himself up front because Joao Felix was so far in retreat that he was not there to help his strike partner. Chelsea knocked 51 long balls of their own and neither connected that many of them, but that's a game that favors Chelsea all day, every day. Chelsea had five accurate crosses to zero. Zero accurate crosses for Atletico Madrid. Why? Because they did not get that far up the pitch very often. Atletico Madrid attempted only six dribbles the entire match. Atletico Madrid, they were even in in Ariel's one. Okay. And even in yellow card's. But Jan Oblak had to make four saves. Mindy did not have to make a single save. This was not what I want to see from Atletico Madrid. And I do consider myself to be a fan of Atletico Madrid. Um, Not what I want to see, like I said. If you're a fan of the U.S. national team, Christian Pulisic gets on the pitch in the 87th minute replacing Timo Werner. Um... Disappointing f- uh, to see, you know, his playing time has dwindled a bit. And I'm sure U.S. fans were hopeful that with Thomas Tuchel coming into the fray and taking over the side that his former Dortmund player, Christian Pulisic, would find himself in some more playing time. But that was that hasn't been the case so far. It is what it is. I mean, he, he's got to learn. He's got to be a big boy and win playing time. When you dis- make the decision to go to a club like Chelsea... Okay, he left Dortmund where he was playing on his own free will. Yes, he had a great offer, and you know Chelsea were desperate to sign him because they were about to go into a transfer ban, and they picked him up when they could. That's fine, but when you take on a transfer like that and you take on the kind of money he's taking on, you gotta fight for your place in the team, or you're gonna be left behind. Eighteen months ago, Christian Pulisic is far and away the best American male football player on the planet. Today, I don't I don't hold him in that regard. I have Weston McKinney way above him right now. Weston McKinney is having a fantastic season. He has surpassed Christian Pulisic. Yes, they're not the same player. It's it's not apples to apples, but just in terms of form. Tyler Adams is ahead of Christian Pulisic. Am I being a little critical perhaps and I know how much this can upset U.S. soccer fans when you when you criticize Pulisic I get it but the evidence is in front of you you know he went from being an important piece of a Dortmund team to agreeing to a transfer to Chelsea in the middle of a season which obviously if you you know when you make that when you agree to 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 that transfer in the middle of the season for the following season you know your manager no longer is going to be so so motivated to play you you know it, it is what it is there's that saying again it is what it is but it is what it is i mean if 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 i'm managing a, a squad and i'm building a squad and i'm Borussia Dortmund or whoever and now my player who i've been relying on is going to i know he's leaving in 6 months i got to start i got to start uh, planning uh, for the next guy, you know what the guy behind him is going in. He's just as young. Okay, I think Christian Pulisic found a harsh reality at Dortmund when he found himself passed by Jadon Sancho as the young gun, if you will, if as the young the young phenom. Um, and now I'll argue that he's been passed by Jude Bellingham, um, among others. You know, er- obviously Erling Haaland has come into that side, and there is no comparison. He's one of a kind. Um, amazing actually, that Red Bull sold him from their Salzburg team to their direct rival in the German Bundesliga, but that is uh, that is business. Uh, eventually, the ball does find its way into the goal here, and we have a goal in the 68th minute, and it is the Frenchman Olivier Jehu. and it was a quite a nice goal, if I remember correctly. I'm pulling up the video right now as I'm watching it on my phone. Um it's pulling up as I speak. I should have looked at this before, but as I pull it up, you know, I do remember Giroud having quite a a a quite a beauty of a goal, and I believe it was in this match. I don't think it was in a different match. I think it was in this one. As of course the buffering is just too much, but um, for some reason this match links straight to Daily Motion and doesn't give me the video like the app normally does. But it is Olivier Giroud with the goal and Chelsea. Will get out of Budapest, Bucharest. Excuse me, that's a whole nother story. This is a true story, and it's off the topic. But I was, I did hear about this through um, a Spanish language podcast um, that covers La Liga and that covers Atletico Madrid. And yes, there were fans who, not this time, but the last time when Atletico Madrid played there, where you know Simeone said they were so happy, so felices as you say in Spanish, um, winning the Europa League, that there was a number of Atleti fans that had match tickets, mind you, but booked their flights not to Bucharest, Romania, but to Budapest, Hungary. This is a true story. They got confused at the name of the city. They went to the wrong country. They were nowhere near that match. They missed it because they booked their flights and hotels in the wrong place. I think that's... Why not go there again? What could possibly go wrong, right, Simeone? Well, the referee blows his whistle for full-time. 1-0 to Chelsea on the road. The second leg in, and I'm going to check right now where this second leg is being played. second leg will be on March the 17th, and it will be played at Stamford Bridge, actually. So I stand corrected unless that will change in the next week and a half. Totally possible. You never know from day to day what goes on and uh, what the regulations could change to. But on the same day, February the 23rd, we're now at Rome's Olympic Stadium. And we have Lazio taking on the champions. Bayern Munich now crowned as world champions as well in this round of 16. The referee is from Israel. It is Orel Grinfeld. And uh, let's uh, take a look at the lineups for this one. We'll start with the Italian side Lazio. The veteran Pepe Reina is in goal for for Simeone Inzaghe's side. They're playing with three at the back, a three-five-two. Uh, again, the formation I tend to like, although the result in this match does not uh, support that very much. But across the back, Patricio Francesco Acerbi and Matteo Pablo Mus- Musaccio are the three defenders. The wingbacks are Manuel Lazari and Adam Muricic, while the three central midfielders, Lucas Leiva, anchors with Luis Alberto to one side and Sergei Milenikovic to the other side. Up front, a strike partnership of Joaquin Correa and the captain, Chiro Immobile. For the champions Bayern Munich, Hansi Flick sends out a 4 2 3 1 formation. He's got, Nick, he's got his captain, Manuel Neuer, in goal. Nicholas Sula is the right back. Jerome Boateng and David Alaba in central defense, with Canadian Alfonso Davies as the left back. Double pivot. Maybe. One of the best double pivots in the entire game of football right now, and it is these two here at Bayern Munich. Joshua Kimmich and Leon Goretzka partnering up. In front of them, Leroy Sané to the right, Jamal Musiala to the center, and Kinsley Komen on the left. And they're playing in behind and in support of the legend Robert Lewandowski, all right, and you can imagine how this match went. I'm, As always, I'm speaking very highly of Bayern Munich. I'm not a Bayern Munich fan either. I just admire what they've been able to do and what they continue to do. And Bayern Munich here will win this one 4-1. to Goals from Lewandowski in the ninth, Musiala in the 24th, Sané in the 42nd. Korea draws one back for Lazio in the 49th and then an own goal from Archeri in the well in the 47th I skipped that one. <laughs> so it was actually 4-0 and then 4-1 and not looking good for Lazio as they head to Germany for leg number 2. I think this one's done and dusted. I think it's fair to say the European Champions Bayern München will advance. We move to Wednesday, February the 24th. And now we go to Bergamo, Italy. And it is Atalanta hosting Real Madrid. And let's look at these lineups really quickly. As we are we are at the uh, Gersuice Stadium in Bergamo. And the referee for this one is from Germany. His name is Tobias Steiler. And the lineups starting with the visitors from La Liga. The defending champions of La Liga, it is Real Madrid managed, of course, by none other than Zinedine Zidane, one of my idols growing up, one of my favorite players of all time. Uh, they're playing their traditional 4-3-3. Thibaut Courtois, I mentioned him already about how highly I regard him as a goalkeeper. He's in goal. Four across the back, like we said. The right back is Lucas Vasquez. Rafael Varane, and Nacho Fernandez are the central defenders. Rafael Varane is the captain, while Ferland Mindy is the left-back three in midfield. Casimiro is the pivot, with Luka Modric to his right and Tony Cruz to his left. Up front, a makeshift attack lineup for sure, Um with a false number nine, if you will, in Isco. Yes, remember Isco? Isco getting the start in this one. To his right is Marcos Asensio. To his left, Vinicius Jr., and this was a match that was uh, well Atalanta happy to cede possession uh thirty one percent to sixty nine percent in favor of Real Madrid Real Madrid rifles often <laughs> nineteen shots in total sixteen chances created and uh of all that only one big chance was created that of course turned out to be the goal, and again this is this is Atalanta taking a similar approach I think to Atletico Madrid and that is to get even though they're playing in their home stadium their approach (laughs) is to get out of this home leg without surrendering the away goal unfortunately they would not be able to do it they came close but in the 86th minute it was the left back Mindy who scores an absolute howler from outside the box he just shows up in the right place at the right time and finds the back of the net. A man of the match performance for the former World Player of the Year, Luka Modric, or maybe he may still be the, no, he is not the current World Player of the Year even though it wasn't officially awarded. It was basically given by everybody who comments on football and who writes for football and who is a pundit to <laughs> Robert Lewandowski last year. Um, Noble on door was, was issued, but uh, right now regarded as the best player in the world is Robert Lewandowski, at least for the for the 2020 year. Um, but Luka Modric looking like his old self a little bit in this one. Interesting footnote as well. And this also contributed uh, to the overly, perhaps, defensive approach for Atalanta. In the 17th minute, Remo Freuler is sent off. And that leaves, and I don't think, I don't think, I, I never read off the 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 11-4 for, for Atalanta that's uh, my bad, I'll do that now Gian P- uh, Piero Gasparini is the manager of course Pierluigi Golini, the goalkeeper 3-4-1-2, they're playing Rafael Toloi, Cristiano Romero and Berat jimisti is the three in the back four in front of them Joachim Mahele, Martin Derun, Remo Freuler who I just mentioned who was sent off in the 17th minute and Robin Gossens uh, make up the four-man line in front of the back three with Matteo Pasina in front of them as a true number ten, and then Duvan Zapata and Luis Muriel as the starting strikers. Uh, notable absences here, of course, um, one of last year's darlings for for Atalanta, Josip Ilyich, He would make an appearance in the 56th and then be subbed off again in the 86th, uh, possibly with an injury. My memory right now is failing me, but at the end of the day, it is Real Madrid going home back to the, not the Bernabeu, but to the uh, but to the Di Stefano Stadium uh, with this 1-0 lead and the away goal, and I expect them to hold it out, although you never can count Atalanta out. Uh, many times, they are the best football-playing team in Italy, and uh, they made a decent run last year, and I think... You know, it's not out of the realm of possibility that they could reverse this and send this thing to extra time with a reverse one nil uh, result in ninety minutes, or even win two to one and they'll advance on away goals. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the second leg in this tie. And then, lastly, you got Borussia Mönchengladbach hosting the best football team in the world right now, Manchester City. There's no question about it. I think everyone agrees on that. Right now they are playing the most they are playing the best football in the world, of course. Um, we said at home, but it was a borrowed home also. They are also at the Pushkas Arena in Budapest, Hungary. Uh, Portuguese referee Artur Suarez dias I can't believe that he is refereeing in the Champions League, but he is refereeing in the Champions League. And it's a man of the match performance for Bernardo Silva of Manchester City. Let's look at their lineup quickly. Pep Guardiola sends him out in their patented 4-3-3. Edgerson's the goalkeeper across the back. Kyle Walker on the right. Ruben Dias and Laporte are the central defenders with Juan Cancelo playing down the left. Bernardo Silva-Rodri and Ilke Gundogan are the three in midfield. And they're playing in support of the three forwards. Raheem Sterling, the captain on the day, uh, on the right. Gabriel Jesus is the central striker and the young... Well, not so young anymore. The established star, legitimate star, Phil Foden, playing down the left for the home side, Munchen Gladbach, managed of course by Marco Rose, who is on his way to Borussia Dortmund next season, as has already been mentioned. Jan Sommer, the the Swiss international, is the goalkeeper. He's playing a three-five-two. Again, it seems to be these the choice in Germany. Rami Benisabani, Matthias Ginter, and Nico Elvedi are the three in the back. Jonas Hoffman, Florian Nehaus, Christoph Kramer, Dennis Zakaria and Stefan Leiner are the five in midfield. And they have the strike pairing of Alessand Plia and the captain Lars Stendel uh, in the attack. And really what else is there to say? It is oh uh, Manchester City are just out of this world right now. 22 consecutive victories in all competitions as we stand at the time of recording here on March the 5th, 10 o'clock Eastern time here in the United States. Um, Manchester City have won 22 consecutive matches. Unbelievable run of form. And I expect it to continue. This I expect to see Manchester City close this out without a doubt. And I think it'll be a shame if Manchester City and Bayern Munich draw each other before the final because that is the two best teams. That's who I want to see in the final. Maybe you disagree with me. Um, well, I shouldn't say that's who I want to see. That's who I th- think deserve to be in the final based on how they're playing. But I'm sure that there's there's other clubs that have something to say about that, of course. Yeah. Um, you know it's too early to count out Real Madrid you can't ever count Real Madrid out of the Champions League also PSG on fire as we said they just put a hurting to Barcelona um I would like to see Atletico Madrid make their way towards the latter stages I don't see how unless they completely change the way they play in the second leg um I would love nothing more Than to see Cristiano Ronaldo take Juve on his back and take a deep run, I don't think he's got the support around him to do that. They're going to struggle. It it looks very, very likely like that. This is going to be the first uh, in ten seasons where Juventus do not win the Scudetto. And unfortunately, Andrea Pirlo taking a job he was not ready for will give him the unfortunate of being the manager that uh, did not complete the DECA, as they call it, the 10th straight title. He's the one that lost the string of titles. He could very well turn into the one that lost the string of titles for Juve. So let's take a look real quickly. We're gonna. There's not much to preview in the second uh, legs. A lot of these ties are a pretty clear cut, and uh, there's a few teams that really are looking good right now. Tuesday, March 9th, coming up. Dortmund hosts Sevilla. Dortmund can still go anywhere. I mean, Dortmund do have three away goals. It's going to be hard for Sevilla to overcome that. they got to win by two goals or score more than three. Juve hosting Porto. My goodness, I hope Juve win by 100, but one nothing will do. Hopefully, Ronaldo can make the difference in this one and score one like he did in his Manchester United days against Porto. I'm hoping Wednesday, March the 10th, Liverpool hosting Leipzig. I'm expecting Liverpool to see that one out, and then PSG hosting Barcelona. Um, it could get ugly. I mean, it could be another. It could be another thrashing. Uh, Barcelona. We'll see how they come again. How they respond after the club's elections this weekend. Uh, we'll see how they respond to their recent little run of form. They've found their way into second place in La Liga right now and Gerard Pique did say in the media that this season is not over and that they are a candidate to win La Liga. Uh, We move to Tuesday, March the 16th in the following week and Man City will host Gladbach. let Let's take a look and that is as of right now scheduled for the Etihad in Manchester. Madrid hosting Atalanta like we said at the Alfredo de de Stefano uh, in Madrid. Which is actually their training complex and where their B team plays, but that's all good. Um, while the Santiago Bernabéu is undergoing some some sweet renovations, it's going to look awesome when it is done. And then Wednesday, March the seventeenth, at the Alianza Arena, Bayern Munich will look to see out the ninety minutes and advance to the quarterfinals. While Chelsea and Atlético Madrid play perhaps the most the most uh, potentially difficult to. To uh, judge of all of the eight matches here. I think that's the one who who knows. I mean, these two teams... Atleti could f- If Atleti win in, in the derby de Madrid this this weekend and they open up their lead, they'll be able to rest players. And I'm sure they will pick up a whirlwind of, of momentum if they can beat their rivals, Real Madrid. Um, they also got Barcelona coming in in a couple of weeks. So we'll see. If they can if they can continue their run of form if they come in on better form than Chelsea it's it's totally possible to to reverse the result of the first leg and win and win by more than a goal or to win two to one or three to two or whatever the result is that is not one nil and see them through to the semi the quarterfinals excuse me I think in empty stadiums it's such an advantage to play the first leg at home I think it's playing out that way um, if it's close if you're going on the road in the second leg and you have a chance to get away goals in front of an empty stadium i think i think that's ideally what you want out of the draw right now and if atletico madrid come out and play the way they should play and not the way that the 2000 Fourteen Atletico Madrid like to play. Uh, they can certainly beat Chelsea. Chelsea is very up and down and inconsistent, and we'll have to wait and see. We will wait and see, but I look forward to seeing it. And uh, that that it, that covers leg number one in the round of 16 from the UEFA Champions League. It has been a bit. We've gone over an hour here, and I hope you've enjoyed. Uh, hope you've enjoyed the show, and hope you enjoyed the. Look at these matches. The next episode coming up will be a UEFA Europa League uh, review, and it's going to be even less in depth, obviously, because there's 16. There's actually 32 matches to talk about. There's going to be a lot of reading of results and probably focusing in a couple of matches, but that'll come to you shortly in the next day or two. And then this weekend, I am planning to record a whole bunch of episodes. Um, covering the various leagues across Europe and getting back into our rotation. And I haven't forgot about North Americans football either because we got Liga MX heating up. We've got Major League Soccer starting their preseason. Now Now that a strike or a lockout has been avoided, there is a CBA in place. The two sides have agreed there will be a season. That is great news for Major League Soccer. Plus, Hyundai A-League in Australia also kicking off. Plus, we have we have updates regarding uh, CONCACAF Champions League. And um, we also will have a South American episode because, uh, because Copa Libertadores has kicked off already. The preliminary rounds already in action. And a number of leagues are running as... Um, in the previous episode we talked about the conclusion of the brazilian league well argentinian copa de la liga is going on again that's formally known as a short-lived name of the copa diego armando maradona for legal reasons uh right now uh they're backed away from that name they'll probably resume it once um these legal issues regarding his estate if i'm not mistaken are are resolved and then um they can rededicate the competition to him I thought we were going into a different competition but I I misread the calendar they are starting the season off once again with the Copa de la Liga and then after that it will go into the the Liga Profesional of Argentina and if if you haven't heard um, the Argentine League and the Brazilian League are going to be available in English in the United States in the next season courtesy of of the new streaming service Paramount Plus, formerly known as CBS All Access. Excited for that. Excited to watch South American football in English. And if they give it the same kind of love they've given the Champions League and the Europa League, uh, it's going to be a phenomenal production from CBS once again. All right, that's going to do it. Um, Don't forget to follow Mr. Benfica as well on on all the social media platforms, and especially subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcasts, subscribe to both Parking the Bus or the PTB Media Network and to Mr. Benfica. There's a lot of stuff coming up. I'm also making an appearance this weekend um, on a website on a roundtable discussion regarding talking some football be more details on that coming out and uh, enjoy your weekend enjoy your football and i'll be signing off now this has been the mr mike augustine you for the parking the bus podcast here part of the ptb media network and i'll catch you next time have a great one